Welcome to everybody tuning in, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Melody Banky. I'm a senior investment advisor at Arnrich Messina, a Portland-based investment advisory firm bringing our unique and disciplined process and philosophy to nonprofit endowments and foundations, high net worth individuals and families, and our corporate clients. Our goal is to help every client invest with intention. And for many families, tax-efficient planning is part of this focus. Today, I'm here with senior wealth strategist and investment advisor, Glenn Golan, to take a look at tax planning opportunities in 2020. There are some potential major changes on the horizon that Glenn has been taking a deep look at and identifying some strategies you can use now to be prepared for the next few years. This could be a really important discussion that will help you get set up as we move into a pretty uncertain future. Glenn, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Melody. I'm glad to be here. There are a lot of moving pieces in the federal tax world right now, and I'm grateful to have the chance to help our clients get out in front of some of these things. So Glenn, let's start by setting the stage. Tell us why you have been thinking about this and why it's important to be talking about it now. Well, in my opinion, there are signs of future tax increases all around us, Melody. I think, um, you know, we know that there's a federal rate increase that's already on the books when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 sunsets. That is scheduled to happen in January of 2026. But there are also indications that, that we may see tax rate increases sooner. Um, for starters, we've run over a trillion dollars in federal deficits over the last two uh, fiscal years. And that's before we started spending $3 trillion plus on relief and recovery from COVID-19. Um, we've started to see some early reports indicating the damage that's being done to the federal coffers by reductions in income tax revenue with COVID and the high unemployment. And just in the last couple of days here, we heard uh, from the Social Security Administration that uh, the changes that they're contemplating to the payroll tax would really imperil that system. So all of those things are on the horizon. And I think the, against that, of course, is the biggest um, sort of question mark on the, on the horizon, which of course is the election in the fall. So we'll talk some today about some of the proposals outlined by former Vice President Biden as they give us a sense of what Democrats may do if given the chance to rewrite the tax code. I would also mention that while we're focusing today primarily on federal tax rates, states aren't without their own problems, right? The states are having the same revenue problems as a result of, uh, of COVID-19 as they've had high unemployment that's led to lower incomes and as they've spent more on medical care, that's certainly been a strain on their budgets. Thanks Glenn for this very important backdrop. So forewarned is uh, forearmed. And these are definitely reasons to be paying attention. Before we get into the details, why should people be starting to look at this now rather than waiting until the tax changes happen? Uh, good question. I, I think the first part, Melody, is just a matter of perspective. So as we sit here now in 2020, our rates are at near historic lows in a handful of places. So our estate tax rates are lower than they've been in 90 of the last 100 years and the estate tax exemptions that apply to those rates are at all time highs. At the same time, on the income tax side of things, the top marginal income tax rates are lower than they've been in 80 of the last 100 years. So 
right now we're sitting at a pretty low point historically. And the thinking as to why it matters now is that any proposed changes won't likely affect the 2020 tax year. By and large, the rules for this year are already written. Uh, and there are ways to take advantage of the current structure and the rates in advance of any potential changes that may be coming down the road. Wow, those are some very interesting statistics. Let's start with income taxes. What sort of, sort of changes are we likely to see? Well, uh, tough to say, right? As we look at things now, we know that they're scheduled to rise again in 2026. And, and that schedule is set to go back to the, the 2016 tax tables adjusted for inflation. So we know that that is on the books um, right now. Uh, we also know that Democrats are discussing a handful of tax increases that would affect individuals' incomes uh, as they relate to their after-tax income. And so I did some research um, from a group called the Tax Foundation, and they estimated that the Biden tax plan, as he's proposed it, would lead to a 7.8% increase in, uh, I'm sorry, a 7.8% decrease in the after-tax income of the top 1% of taxpayers. So 7.8% less for the top 1%, a 1.1% lower after-tax income for the top 5%. And for everybody else, they would be looking at less uh, than 1%. It would be a 0.6% decrease in after-tax income. So I think for starters, the changes that we're talking about in the income tax side won't affect most taxpayers. What they're looking at doing is changing the income tax brackets for individuals with income over 400,000, uh, the Biden proposal is to revert those, uh, that particular bracket back to the 2016 levels now, which would be an increase from 37% to 39.6. Similarly, for taxpayers that are making over 400,000 in earned income, uh, Vice President Biden or former Vice President Biden, excuse me, is proposing adding a 12.4% social security tax on income over 400,000. So this would be what they call in tax parlance a donut hole, similar to what we have uh, in some of the prescription drug plans. And so basically taxpayers would pay social security on the first 80 or 90,000 of earnings, then pay none of that tax until they hit 400 and then they would start paying it again on income over 400. So that would be a sizable change uh, for folks as it relates to their after-tax income. The last thing uh, that we may see is changes to the deductions. So um, there's been some discussion of eliminating the salt, uh, the cap on salt deductions. So that's your state and local taxes that are currently capped at $10,000. Um, Democrats in Congress have been talking about eliminating that cap for a couple of years. Um, and we may also see, uh, and it's currently proposed right now in the Biden proposal, some limitations on deductions for folks that are in the top brackets so that um, they are not able to get the full benefit of some of their tax deductions on their income above the 28% bracket. So some changes at the margins, but they, where they really impact folks will be on those dollars earned above 400,000 on the income tax side. And Glenn, what can people do now to be ready for these income tax increases? Uh, you know, first and foremost, everybody listening to this that has a 401k at their employer ought to do whatever they can to max that out. Because if we think that income tax rates are going to go up in the future, then that's just low hanging fruit. Max out your 401k. If you can lean into a Roth 401k right now, then that's even better. Um, I think that's especially true in 2020. 
one of the scarier sentences in the Biden tax plan uh, refers to, and I quote, equalizing the tax benefits of defined contribution retirement plans, end quote. And so there's been much written about whether that means they intend to dramatically decrease how much people can put into their workplace retirement plans, or it means changing the rules so they're not as beneficial, who knows. Um, but absolutely, we should be funding those with as much as we can in 2020. For folks that have the ability to convert IRA dollars into Roth IRA dollars, I think that makes a lot of sense this year, especially if you're going to be in that top income tax bracket going forward. Uh, there's a, another group of folks that ought to look at those this year as well as, as folks over the age of 70 who historically are required to take a distribution from their retirement accounts every year. This year, you're not required to take that distribution. So um, you're not required to therefore recognize the taxable income associated with that. So they ought to consider whether a Roth conversion uh, would be an efficient way um, to generate um, some uh, to fill up some of that income tax bracket, excuse me. Um, and this is an especially good year for that. So uh, certainly contribute to 401k plans at, at work, convert to Roth IRAs if you can. Um, if you have the ability to give away income producing assets, if you own um, some sort of real estate and, and you're considering giving a handful of different properties to friends or family, then that would be a factor that would weigh in your decision this year is that if one of them produced a lot of income, you may not want that income anymore. Um, and finally, for folks that have the opportunity to either recognize any sort of deferred comp uh, compensation plans or to recognize income from any contracts in this calendar year, it's probably smart to do that. Um, and if they can't, then if you have the chance to defer compensation past the next couple of years, then there may be some wisdom in that, although it's, it's harder to see down the road what tax rates might look like you know, as we go further into the future. These are excellent recommendations, Glenn. Thank I suspect you. that it's not just income taxes that will go up. What's your projection when it comes to capital gains? And what should taxpayers be doing now to prepare? Um, you know, I think the first thing taxpayers ought to do is look through the smoke and see where the actual fire is. And so you're going to hear a lot over the next few months about the changes that former Vice President Biden is proposing to the capital gains tax structure. The one we'll hear about is likely to be the rate change. And so what we're proposing is changing the long-term capital gains rate applicable to folks with income over a million dollars in the tax year uh, from 23.8% up to 39.6%. So that would only affect the very, very top income earners in the country, really only people that have a taxable income over a million dollars. It's a big rate change, so it's likely to make headlines. The bigger issue, I think, um, is that there is a lot of discussion going on about eliminating the step up in tax basis that goes along with capital assets at death. And so this would actually affect every family that had um, any sort of inheritance at all. For generations now, we've been advising mothers and fathers to hold on to that Coca-Cola stock that they bought way back in the 50s because it was more efficient for them to die with it than it was to give it to their kids while they were alive. Reason being that if they gave it to the kids while they were alive, then the kids would inherit their initial low tax basis. But if they died and passed it on to their kids through their will, then the kids would get a step up in that tax basis to the day to death value and they could sell it the next day with no tax being due. Well, 
Democrats have been talking for the better part of seven or eight years about tweaking that. And that's part of the Biden proposal would be to eliminate that step up in basis at that. Uh, that would absolutely affect the sort of planning that a lot of families are doing around which assets are spent in our later years and which assets are sort of um, identified as, as those that made more sense to pass on the, onto their families. I think a lot of that's going to be flipped on its head. And finally, Glenn, what are your thoughts in the areas of estate taxes, which I know are a huge concern for many families? You know, that one's harder to see. Um, federal estate tax right now, the tax rates are also at historic lows. So the 40% top rate is lower than it's been in say nine out of the 90% of the last hundred years. Um, in, in connected to that, the exemption of 11.58 million per person is also as high as it's been uh, in any other time with the slight exception of 2010, which was a weird year um, where for some taxpayers, there was no estate tax. But, that's a conversation for another day. The, the point is right now rates are higher than they've ever been. I'm sorry, rates are lower than they've ever been and the exemption is higher than it's ever been. And it's, it doesn't really affect many families right now when mom and dad can pass on $22 million or 23 million bucks before they have a state tax due. The current rules are set to revert to the 2016 levels in January of 2026. I would expect that those changes may be accelerated either due to a change in political leadership um, or because we just start to recognize as a society that we've spent so much money over the last few years that we need to raise revenue and that's a bit of low hanging fruit. I think um, the most, the most uh, sort of pressing thing that I have heard that's sort of set in stone there uh, is one that relates to valuation discounts. And so, um, you know, Melody, if you and I had a business and I passed away owning half of it, my family right now would likely list that asset on my estate tax return as being worth less than half of what our joint venture is worth on paper. No offense, but they would say, well, um, one, we're gonna discount it because we don't necessarily wanna go into business with Melody. And number two, um, we don't necessarily only wanna own a 50% interest because if we only own half of it, then we can't make decisions that control things. And so. The argument has always been that in an arm's length transaction with a neutral buyer on the street, these valuation discounts are appropriate to reflect what, uh, what would actually be going through that buyer's head. Uh, this is an area that's been in the crosshairs of Democrats for some time because this can reduce the value of some of the assets that are reported by 30 to 40% in some of the estate returns that are filed. And so when you have a 40% estate tax rate, discounting something by 30 to 40% has a substantial impact on how much tax is collected. I think, um, you know, as it relates to the presidential election, uh, you may hear some discussion about this as it relates to the president's father's tax returns. This is the one sort of piece of tax data that Democrats have actually been able to see. And this is one area that they've been grousing about for some time was the valuation discounts that were taken. So understand if you hear any of that language that this is really what they're talking about. And usually the folks that that affects are small businesses where you really have a handful of, uh, of individual shareholders that have a familial relationship. And um, oftentimes those discounts make perfect sense. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. 
I think that's likely to be the biggest change for small business owners and for folks with family businesses is that those exemptions uh, or those um, valuation discounts rather may be reduced or they may be going by the wayside. The, um, I guess the, the corollary to all of that business would be then that while we have this large exemption, families ought to consider what they can do to use that exemption now while we have it. Um, the first attorney that I clerked under used to refer to these exemptions as coupons. Um, and his sort of analogy was, it was like you have the Fed right now is giving you an $11.5 million coupon and you can rip that coupon into pieces and, and give away 2 million of it now or 3 million of it now. And if they change the rules later, they can't go back and get that coupon you gave away. So there are a variety of tools that attorneys will use to help families give away assets to their, to their beneficiaries in a manner that effectively uses that coupon, if you will. And so um, there are strategies that involve everything from your personal residence to your marketable securities to business interests, really everything in between. Um, if your family is worried about the fact that we may go from having a $22 million exemption for mom and dad to a $12 million exemption for mom and dad, then I think um, it would make sense to talk with your legal and accounting teams um, as we get into the fall here about what sort of gifts you could make this year that would utilize that exemption while you have it. Glenn, a lot of these changes depend on a shift in political leadership in 2021. What happens if there is no change in political leadership? Uh, that's an awesome question. I think, um, you know, none of the discussion that we've had today is around any strategies that are particularly groundbreaking. Most of what we're talking about today are strategies that folks have been doing for years. And what's happened is that 2020 has really put a magnifying glass on them. Part of that is absolutely due to potential changes in the political leadership. I think we've tried to outline that section of things thus far today, but I don't want to underscore the fact that regardless of who's in charge, we've been writing checks that we can't continue to cash at the current setup. So even if we have no change in political leadership, we may see um, either that we will make it to 2026 when things are already scheduled to increase, um, or we will have some sort of increases before then. Under either of those scenarios, I don't see any way that, that taking action in 2020 would impact them negatively. Um, but I would leave the fine points of that for, for folks to talk with their legal and tax counsel about. Um, but as I, as I think through what a, a consistent political leadership through this fall and into next year looks like, I think you know, the strategies that we're talking about today would be effective planning in any sort of weather. We're just looking at it right now based on what we see on the horizon. Well, thank you, Glenn, for looking into these possible changes and sharing your planning strategies and suggestions. Do you have any final thoughts to share on the topic before we wrap up? Uh, thanks, Melody. Hopefully that this will help folks be ready for the coming changes. I think um, the best thing that we can all do is just pay attention right now. And if you are in one of those families where you've got assets that are in the 20 million plus range, understand that the rules are about to change and that they may change pretty dramatically. Similarly, if your income each year on your W-2 earned income um, is up in that 400,000 plus range, understand that there are some changes on the horizon potentially. And if it's north of a million, then understand that there'll be more changes potentially. So 
Uh, I would say for our clients, we're happy to help run any sort of analysis we can on this sort of stuff. So they should feel free to contact our planning team anytime and we can help them put together um, whatever sort of analysis will help them make informed decisions on this stuff uh, and get the right strategy in place. All right. Thanks again, Glenn. You can always visit our website at arnardsnacina.com for additional information about us, where you'll also find a blog where we post frequently with relevant articles about financial planning topics. I'd like to thank Glenn for being here today and thank you to our audience for joining us. Thank you for listening to Arnerch Messina's podcast. Please see the podcast description for important copyright and disclaimer information. 